capacity crowd stands by on their feet as WCW Nitro live on TNT comes your way from the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Central Ohio, Canton, Ohio. Welcome to WCW Monday Nitro live as it can get here on TNT along with Steve And this proves to be one of the biggest, most exciting Nitros possibly in the history of Nitro. Get this. In the main event, the WCW World Heavyweight title on the line. This guy, Mongo, he could be the biggest, most dangerous man in this sport today. I mean, he is the biggest of where the big boys play. We're talking about the Giant. He is going after Savage's world title. How well, do you see it? Let me tell you, sports fans, when the Giant puts a chokeslam on you, Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro. And if I may say, this is one of the biggest and most important episodes in the history of 20 Years of Nitro. It is, of course, <laughs> January 29th, 1996, and we are in the home of the NFL Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio, uh, in front of 30,500 fans Virtually all of whom actually paid to get into the show for a gate of $36,000. Oh, nice. I am your host, Tim Root, and alongside me are my broadcast partners. We have Dave the Brain Amantorp. <laughs> nice. No, come on. <laughs> and John Mongo Amantorp. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Guys, how you doing this week? When you mention the Hall of Fame, is Mongo McMichael in the NFL Hall of Fame? He's got to be, right? I good question. I would well, no, uh, NFL Hall of Fame is like actually hard to get into, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's a fairly legit one comparatively. I mean, like four guys get in per year or something like that. Yeah, I think they have like a max, and they don't, they never use the max. I bet he's not in then. Hey, you know what though? He's always got that Emmy award to fall back yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunately very true. <laughs> Before we get to tonight's event, I want to remind everyone that you can find us at Facebook.com/slash Twenty Years of Nitro. On Twitter, at 20 Years of Nitro. You can email the show at 20 Years of Nitro at gmail.com. And you can find us on piledriverwrestling.net in the OSW podcast section, as well as the Freakin' Awesome Network at freakinawesomenetwork.net. So, as I said, we've got a big show tonight. Uh, we've got Randy Macho Man Savage is going to be defending the WCW heavyweight title against the Giants. Speaking of a big show. You <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice. Yes. You may remember that uh, Macho Man also defended his belt against the Giant last month in the lead up to Starcade, a match with ended uh, with Hulk Hogan interfering with a chair for really no reason. Yep, uh, costing the Giant what would have been a a perfectly clean championship win. Uh, we're gonna have Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan wrestling again. The Road Warriors are gonna be having their in ring re debut, and uh, Sherry and Medusa have a match already. Uh, for some reason, they're not waiting for uh, the pay-per-view to have Sherry and Medusa, which I, I can't quite figure out. The big unannounced blow-off match. You're, you're going to see this week and next week that they're going to have a lot of matches that should have waited till their pay-per-view, but then they just use them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, Mongo McMichael is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, thanks for looking that up. Yep. Uh, Flair's music plays to start the show, and it looks like we're getting Flair and Hogan to, to kick things off, which is pretty shocking development. Uh, Hogan normally demands, er, 
I don't know this for a fact, but seemingly <laughs> demands to be in the main event. Uh, but when we get to the end of this match, see if you can spot any reasons why he might have had a different opinion this mm. week. This is the second unannounced Flair and Hogan match on Nitro of 1996 already. Wow. I, I like the idea that, that he seemingly asks for the main event when, when you could just look at the card and see that he is after the title match. Right. Well, yeah, because what um, was it two weeks ago or, or I guess just the Nitro before the Clash of the Champions where Flair and there was a title change of the heavyweight title on yep. the show. And then the main event was Hogan versus one man gang in a non title match. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, F- Flair comes out and he is wearing a pink and purple robe and it is incredible. It might be my favorite of all the robes that he's worn on the show. Lately, he's been using a green one a lot, and I think this is a m- big step up. Yeah, uh, the green one seems like it's kind of his his road robe, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's, it's maybe traveled a little bit <laughs> a few too many times. And when he wears the green ones, he also wears these really drab green uh, trunks that I can't stand. I think they're... Oh, I think for the yeah. nature boy, they're just real plain and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as he comes to the ring, Bischoff very perfunctorily congratulates the Cowboys on winning the Super Bowl. He's like, congratulations, the Cowboys, on winning the Super Bowl, but a special congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> because he, obviously, he's met Kevin Green and probably a couple of their players who may have, I think he name drops one other than Kevin Green. Uh, he's just being a complete schmoozer and kissing up to the famous people he's met. Uh, That's awesome. It's so funny the way he acts like it's, you know, a bigger deal that they were that they made it all the way, you know. Uh, as Flair reaches the ring, a Flair is God sign is held up very clearly in the audience. So we are we are once again full of Flair fans here. Hogan is out to a mixed reaction, leaning towards cheers, though. there are It's definitely mixed, but I would say more cheers than booze. He is with the coterie of ladies that's been coming out lately, including woman, uh, his wife, Linda Hogan, or L- Linda Bolea. I guess I shouldn't call her Linda Hogan. That's what? not really a name. Yeah. And uh, and Linda's sister is actually one of the other blonde ladies that's huh. out with him. Hmm. Is she prettier? I didn't really take a big no. look. Uh, he then beckons out the, uh, according to the announcers, the lady of all ladies, Elizabeth, <laughs> who comes out wearing like this low cut pink kind of hoochie number. It's it's I know we already debated on her attractiveness, but like mm-hmm. her her prettiness to me comes from uh, a classiness that I feel like this pink mini dress is not getting across. Yeah. Yeah. After Clash of the Champions, I kind of feel like they they kind of amp up her like the sex appeal with the cleavage. It's almost like, like they're they're defensive that she's older than she was. So they compensate in this other direction. Yeah. I also like the idea that. uh that Hulk Hogan comes out to the ring and his wife plays second fiddle to <laughs> Miss Elizabeth. Hogan uh, comes out with a lot of energy tonight. Mm-hmm. I think, like, in general, he's almost seemed low-key at times in the past. And uh, Sullivan on his podcast has said that during this period, Hogan was experiencing quite the crisis of confidence because he was not being received as he thought he, you know, as he had been in the past and he didn't know how to write the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the positive crowd response here is I think they're they're what's getting him excited. You know, there are some boos, like I said, but they're not really in proper horseman country. So Hogan is getting some cheers and I think he's pretty amped up. Before the bell, he uh, noticeably drops to one knee in the corner so he can like lean out between the ropes 
and listen to Elizabeth's valuable advice. <laughs> and even though it's ridiculous because Liz doesn't know shit about anything, right. uh, <laughs> wrestling at least, okay. wrestling wise. I was like, that's a really No, heavy. she could be a molecular biologist outside <laughs> for all I know. Um, but I, I liked that it was trying to sell that she does something. Yeah. Because Lord knows. the most effort Hogan's ever put into getting somebody else over. <laughs> <It> really? <laughs> not, not, since, not since the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that turned out. <laughs> they lock up to start with, and Hogan powers Flair to the mat and flexes those pythons. Hogan uh, shoves him to the mat a few more times as Mongo points out the foolishness of Flair even trying to match the Hulkster's power. Hogan no-sells a chop in the corner and comes out punching. He whips Flair into the opposite corner and uh, hits a back body drop as Flair comes back. After a pair of very weak-ass clotheslines, <laughs> uh, where he essentially, his wrist is what hits Flair in the neck. And uh-huh. it's just like, and Flair sells it like it's, you know, a ton of bricks. Just ridiculous. Uh <laughs> He clotheslines Nate to the outside, uh, and that spot was also terrible because Nate kind of like he eats these shitty clotheslines. Then he stumbles over to the ropes, puts one arm up on the ropes, and that like you know th- where you know that he's going to go over because he's got that arm to steady himself. Oh, he's not going over. Then he <laughs> then he visibly calls out to Hogan to get close like you can see him be like hey come here and clothesline me over the top rope so, hey you guy yeah. hey what are you up to right now hogan clotheslines him over the top rope and then celebrates like he's just won the heavyweight title he this <laughs> or is like lost a, the super bowl <laughs> uh hogan heads to the outside where flair pokes him in the eye flair whips hogan into the guardrail but hogan comes back at him with another awful clothesline <laughs> So this is is this yet another match like within thirty seconds is outside of the ring? Yes. Pretty yep. much. There you go. WCW staple. Back in the ring, Flair begs for mercy, but Hogan punches him in the corner for a bit and then switches to another corner and just kinda does the same shit. Uh <laughs> when Nick Patrick warns him about using a closed fist, uh the biggest baby face in wrestling threatens to punch the referee <laughs> for warning him about following the rules. Flair seizes the opportunity to clip the back of the Hulkster's knee, and as we go to commercial, uh, Bobby reminds us that the other horsemen have got to be stalking around somewhere. Uh, coming back from commercial, Flair is still dominating with chops in the corner. He also continues to occasionally work Hogan's knee to set up the figure four. Flair heads to the top rope where he hits a shooting star press on Hogan. Nice. Uh, just kidding. Hogan tosses him down to the mat. <laughs> what? <laughs> a hobbled Hogan then hits some punches and a shoulder block until Flair... Uh, Elbows him in the face and knocks him down. Flair attacks the knee, and Mongo says that's apropos for the horseman. A word that stuck out to me because I remember you and I talking about Mongo saying apropos way back in episode one. Yes. It's cool. like the one impressive word he knows and tends to use. <laughs> but uh, okay. th- this time, did he follow it up with a really stupid comment? Nope. No, he refrained this time. <laughs> so you can't actually... spam a word like apropos, <laughs> even if it's months apart. I don't know. 21 weeks. That's, that's pretty decent. <laughs> Jimmy Hart uh, tries to pull Hogan to the outside, but Hogan lightly kicks him, and Hart gingerly backs up into the guardrail. Uh, you know, he moves into the guardrail in slow motion, and then once he taps it, he sells like he's dying. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I don't, I don't know if this is when he says it, but Mongo at some point when talking about Jimmy Hart yeah. was like, and what's he doing? He's hanging around with his own face on his back like, who cares? <laughs> That's what he's going for. <laughs> Who cares? I do love the jacket that he's wearing right now with uh, with the aforementioned his own face in the back. And then it's got yeah. WCW logos all over it because it's like, I'm a bad guy, but still watch the product, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's a pro. 
An overconfident flair plays the crowd and Mrs. Hogan rising up behind him. Yet another crap clothesline from the Hulkster, followed by some corner punches that don't go to 10 because Hogan decides to stop halfway through and just bite him. <laughs> the crowd is, is counting along with the punches, but Hogan decides to just get rid of the heat and bite Flair. <laughs> so he, you mean turn up the heat? <laughs> so he kind of turns heel on the fans after I'm, after threatening to punch the referee. It's weird how much biting people's faces is a part of Hogan's like regular repertoire. That in the and the the back rake. The back rake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean a back rake at least isn't illegal. It's a heel move, but it's not illegal. I imagine yeah. that biting a guy in the face is actually yeah. against a rule. <laughs> you get a five count. I I also recall that like later on when he's wearing gloves, he still does back rakes. <laughs> Hulkster knows one uh, one program. <laughs> right. I mean that's why it must have been so easy for the NWO stuff. Uh, well, let's not even go. Yeah, there. We'll okay. get there eventually. <laughs> An Irish whip sends Flair up and over the ropes, uh, and a clothesline on the ring apron knocks him down to the floor. Both men brawl outside the ring where Flair gets the advantage. Back in the ring, he continues to dominate. Flair tosses Hogan back out of the ring where Jimmy Hart uh, chokes him with his with Hart's necktie while Flair distracts the referee. Bischoff notes a Hogan chant, although it seriously was like six people. <laughs> uh, and the second that Bischoff says like the crowd is chanting for him, they stop. <laughs> it's like they must have known that he mentioned it or something. <laughs> was one of them that Hogan guy? Is, that, is he still around? <laughs> no, this is way up in Ohio, and that guy was in all the shows that were in Georgia. Okay. Flair with a kick to the knee and a shin breaker uh, before locking on the figure four. And at that point, in fairness, a much louder Hogan chant does start up. Okay. <laughs> Look at Elizabeth leading the cheers of the Hulkamaniacs, declares Mongo as Liz <laughs> stands there doing nothing. <laughs> Mago also only knows one program. <laughs> I mean, I, I like that he's trying to sell something, but, like, the camera was on her, like, expressionless face right as he said that. That, that, that is the thing about Miss Elizabeth. It's like, anytime you see her, like, around ringside, she has, like, she is completely vacant expression. She does not enjoy professional wrestling. <laughs> no. Like, it's very clear. No, I, I, and I'm sure it's like, you know, she had a very tumultuous like marriage mm -hmm. to a wrestler and so probably everything associated with wrestling is just like oh god this is awful and then you contrast that to woman who is emoting constantly mm -hmm. you know wo woman sells the match in yeah. a fantastic way elizabeth doesn't even look like worried most of the time when her guy is getting his ass kicked like mm -hmm. that's if you're a, a relatively silent pretty Babyface valet yeah. at least look worried when your guy's getting his ass. Yeah, even that's um, the least you can do. Even I, I know I've mentioned it previously, but we haven't seen him in a while. Uh, the Diamond Doll. With, yeah. Even even if it's like kind of like comical, she's reacting to what's happening yes, in the ring. Absolutely. And that's really when you're at ringside, that's the one thing you need to do. And Miss <laughs> Elizabeth, for her whole career, yeah, doesn't even recognize or acknowledge what's going on in the it's ring. It's so interesting how. The biggest wrestler of all time, uh, well, you could debate Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan, but let's presuppose that it's Hogan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what my book presupposes is. <laughs> yeah. What if it's Austin? <laughs> uh, let's let's suppose that it's Hogan. Uh, yeah. The biggest name in wrestling history can't really wrestle, and the biggest woman in <laughs> wrestling history does nothing. Can't really woman. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest, let's say, the biggest valet can't valet. That's yeah. true. That's fair. It's, it, it's 
and, and they what were both they were both on top in the WWF at the same time. Right. And Ric Flair at NWA WCW is probably like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> McMahon like, is a marketing genius. <laughs> right. Hogan reverses the figure four, and Flair lets the hold go. Oh, not before Mongo says, how many times have you ever seen that, a wrestler being able to reverse the figure four? <laughs> Every yeah, single Yeah, Ric Flair match has not had that in it. <laughs> right. Eddie Guerrero reversed it. Come <laughs> he, on. He probably thinks that Flair's going to hit that move off the top every time. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> oh, they caught him. What a Bombs away. <laughs> Hogan and Flair block suplex attempts with Hogan eventually winning and hitting a suplex. Flair uh, manages to get back to his feet and tries a chop, but Hogan at this point is starting to hulk up. His comeback, though, is cut short by a flare elbow to the head. Jimmy Hart taunts Hogan, and I realized at this point that we never uh, got an explanation at all for why Jimmy Hart turned on Hogan way back when at uh, Halloween Havoc. That was, you know, he came out the next night and said that it was going to be in his book, which was like he wasn't really writing a oh, book. Oh, that's right. And yeah. then it was, but then I, I, I thought that was like a placeholder while they decided what his motivation was <laughs> right but instead they must have just decided that like eh, people don't seem to be asking so let's not bother thinking so you could get him thrown in with like the giant you know but like why would you accompany rick flair to match against hulk hogan i mean it's i mean everything he's done since has been deliberately to tear hogan down specifically yeah not just like to keep the belt on his guy or whatever so like clearly he has a personal issue with hogan and it is never addressed or resolved what that is Flair hits a side suplex. Uh, Hogan convulses in pain as Flair struts. <laughs> Flair gets a two count as Hogan begins uh, the proper full Hulk up process. Hogan hits all the moves of Dooms in his arsenal, uh, but after the leg drop, Jimmy Hart jumps up on the apron, distracting the ref. Hogan and uh, Patrick deal with Jimmy Hart while Arn Anderson comes down to the ring. Arn Anderson then tries to nail Hogan with the foreign object he's been using in recent weeks, but Hogan nails him. Arn rolls to the outside, uh, looking like an ineffectual boob <laughs> jimmy hart holds liz while arn steals one of her shoes arn sneaks it to flair who is being pinned by hogan flair kicks out and when patrick uh does the like post two count turn towards the bell ringer yeah. to hold up the two fingers mm -hmm. uh flair jabs hogan in the eye with the high heel and then picks up the one two three victory marking the second victory he's gotten over hogan in wcw both of which uh, were the result of shoe related attacks <laughs> And the one, like the one part of this match that I want to give credit to, is the fact that Hogan, after he gets hit, he's like rolling around in the ring on his back, mm -hmm. but he still manages to blade without you noticing. It's pretty, yeah, it's not a bad and I, job. I thought that was a pretty impressive because I was like, when did he have opportunity to do it? Except he's just, he's just really good at the, yeah. the blade craft. What if they went hard way with the hard heel shoe? Oh, oh God! Yes. So as I alluded to earlier, uh, you know, with, with why this match was on first, I think the fact that Hogan wasn't going over has a lot to do with that. Oh, okay. But I do think uh, that Hogan did a good job of coming down with a lot of energy. He didn't have Nikki Bella, I'm going to lose face. Yeah. Like, he was like, I'm Hogan, I'm the greatest, you all love me. Yeah. And he came out doing that even though knowing he was going to lose this time. So mm -hmm. kudos to him for that. Uh, Sullivan kind of says that Hogan was, was good at knowing when the natives were getting restless and he needed to put some guys over. Um, so not only had nature boy been complaining about and possibly alluding to the fact that he might quit soon. Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, the next pay-per-view following super brawl is going to have um, Hogan versus a lot of people. 
Right. And I don't want to spoil that match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but let's just say Hogan has reason to get some goodwill going before we get to that point. Right. Yeah, that's the thing with Hulk Hogan is uh, when he loses, when he finally decides he's going to lose matches, yeah. they, they happen in chunks. So this is like, oh, yeah, this is like the phase in 96 when like he lost a bunch of matches. Yeah. Uh, you, you, can, you remember like the... Basically, like, every time he loses a match is, like, a moment within itself. Right, right. <laughs> um, and hopefully, I, I didn't, I haven't really, like, kind of, like, looked into the next upcoming weeks. But uh, um, hopefully, when Ric Flair gets his future title match with Savage, that they can use his win of Hogan showing, like, he has, like, the credibility. Oh, sure. The title shot. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and as we know, Flair is going to be facing Savage for the title at Super Brawl. Okay, so they did announce that at this point? I believe it's been advertised. They don't really, like, <laughs> it's one of those things where they don't do a good job promoting matches on Nitro, but they have been advertising elsewhere that that match is on for Super Brawl. Oh, is that on Saturday night as well? Uh, probably. <laughs> Pro. <It's, laughs> it seems like the, all, like, the heavy lifting as far as, like, advertising and announcing, like, all yeah. happens on Saturday night. Liz and Macho come out to check on Hogan, who covers his face uh, while he gets the opportunity to blade. Uh, they show the the blood right there on television. So something changed uh, because we got flares blading at Starcade, but otherwise blood is more or less banned in WCW. Uh, the last notable bleeding came in March of 95 at the uncensored pay-per-view when uh, both Dustin Rhodes and Blacktop Bully, AKA Barry Darso, AKA Smash, AKA the Repo Man, <laughs> uh, both bladed in their infamous King of the Road match. Oh yeah. Where they are wrestling in the back of a moving 18 wheeler. <laughs> Uh, the match was heavily edited to try to get around the blood as much as possible, but uh, both men were fired by WCW for bleeding in that match. <laughs> wow. Because it, it, it was so terrible, too. I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think that whole match incident was like, we need to erase this from yeah. our record. It was yeah. a scheme to get both guys fired. <laughs> so when asked about Flair's bleeding at Starcade, Bischoff said that bleeding was allowed at pay-per-view but not at TV, which seems like an obvious lie because Uncensored is a pay-per-view. But uh, anyway, that was his line for like a couple weeks, and now Hogan's bleeding on Nitro. Mm-hmm. So clearly, they are reintroducing blood as a tool in the WCW like storytelling, uh, you know, box. The big box of storytelling that's so <laughs> famous yes. in storytelling circles. <laughs> so we go to commercial as Bobby cackles at the sight of a bleeding Hulkster. <laughs> uh, that's that's the right reaction to have. <laughs> During the commercial, we learn that Saturday night is going to have a couple interesting matches. Uh, Flair takes on Dean Malenko, and Lex takes on Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I watched both those matches, and you know, you ex- who you expect to win wins those matches, but they're both good. They're, so, Dean Malenko by submission. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero by submission. <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're pretty good matches, though. Eddie yeah. brings out some, some good side of Lex that you don't see very often, you know. Can I ask without asking a, an appropriate question, but those shows aren't on the WWE Network, are they? Saturday Night? Oh, no. I found okay. them on a website Those that should remain know. nameless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Meng's music plays, and he comes out with the Barbarian, uh, and they're called the Faces of Fear, and everyone just sort of acts like this is a tag team that's been around for years, right. despite the fact that they've never appeared on Nitro together. Uh, it also is weird because... Uh, they they did team together in WWF a bit, but never under the name Faces of Fear. Mm-hmm. So they've just been given that name. WCW in nineteen ninety five had a different faction called the Three Faces of Fear. Like that's basically the the uh, 
gestational name of the what became the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, Dungeon of Doom okay. was sort of the child faction of the Three Faces of Fear. Three Faces of Fear was Sullivan, uh, Avalanche, who later became the Shark, mm-hmm. and uh, the Butcher, who later became the Zodiac. Okay. Mr. Zodiac. So it, it's a terribly unoriginal name, and it's just weird the way that they're acting like, hey, it's this tag team you know. Uh, because, they, like I said, they did tag together in WWF. It was about six months, though. It was not like a long-standing, successful tag team. Right. And this also like continued like this weird carousel where Ming always has like something completely different on as far as like additional getup. Yeah, that like is never really explained because he used to wear like that weird cape with a mask on it that just like it looked like it was out of like a, a prop closet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're wearing like I think like uh, animal skins or something. I mean, they cool. th- they look better. They do look kind of cool, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, nothing is said of the Barbarian returning after years away. I mean, he, we did see him as Super Assassin number one or two or whatever the fuck, but <laughs> right. like they didn't mention that it was the Barbarian. <laughs> uh, interestingly to note that when they did team together, it, it was most of 1991 specifically, and they were both members of the Heenan family during that time. So this reunites them uh, sort of with, with Bobby the Brain. Out then are their opponents, the Road Warriors, who have uh, switched things up to a blue and black color scheme instead of their normal red and black. And I don't like it. Oh, they they need to be in red. And well, black. especially because Animal just keeps his face paint red. Yeah. So it just doesn't go well. Bobby calls them Legion of Doom, which is their WWF name, and that will happen quite a bit. The yeah. crowd will chant LOD quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bischoff, like nearly every time that Bobby does it, will he won't correct Bobby, but he'll then immediately call them the Road Warriors in a sentence to try to subtly correct him. Yeah, I never I never understood what it was. Be- what, it, was it just like WWF called them this because, like, copyright, and then the WCW called them Road I think Warriors. it's just how WWF makes every character theirs, because, you know, changes their names and tweaks their gimmicks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if guys come in and are able to use their already existing name, then they can leave and still go to shows as that name. Whereas, like, if you make them call themselves something else in WWF... And then WWF owns that copyright. They can't make money off that copyright later. Yeah, but it just seems... It's why so many few guys are, are allowed to wrestle under their own name. Yeah. It just seems weird because, like, the Road Warriors as a name is, like, marketable. Because, they, you know, they brought in Ric Flair, and Ric Flair was the nature boy of Ric Flair because it's marketable. I don't know why... I mean, like, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom are kind of, like, in the same yeah. type of name. I, it's It's also somewhat surprising because at the time... WWF was a lot more open to letting guys use their pre-existing names and mm-hmm. and gimmicks. You know, in the 80s, most of these guys that came in, Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake, uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, yeah. all of these. The Ultimate Warrior was like the Dingo Warrior, so it was a slight change. Pretty Paul Roma. Um, God, I fucking hate <laughs> Paul Roma. But that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, so it is somewhat unusual that with this one team that yeah. was already well-established worldwide, uh, that WWF stuck to their guns and gave them a different name. I, I'd be curious to know the full story there. Speaking of somewhat unusual, as the uh, Road Warriors walk to the ring, uh, Eric Bischoff makes a comment about how successful the Clash of the Champions was, talking about the big rating it got. Yeah. And he says, uh, WCW is dominating with a big D. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After a commercial, uh, we come back and Bischoff hype Super Brawl. He mentions... Uh, that double cage action is coming our way. 
That is because it has been announced that it's Super Brawl, Hulk Hogan. Uh, so these matches were announced already. Okay. Hulk Hogan is taking on the Giant, and Ric Flair is going to take on Savage. But the big announcement now is that both matches will be happening in cages. Yeah. Uh, and this is partly to counter uh, WWF in your house, which I believe is having uh, the Bret Hart Diesel match is in a cage, is it not? That sounds right. February. Yeah. 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 And Undertaker, I believe, in, uh, gets involved in the finish of that. No spoilers. <laughs> well, we uh, who gives a shit about WWF? <laughs> <laughs> um, as a person that is just watching Nitro and not watching the like Saturday Night or anything like that, because yeah. uh, those matches weren't, they haven't like ex- explicitly announced them on Nitro. Yeah. So when they kept saying double cage, it's very confusing because it sounds like they're referring to a different kind of cage. Oh, right. Um, and we'll actually see that uh, a different kind of cage after uh, Super Brawl. Yeah. So at, at uncensored this year. It's just I don't know. I, I feel like as much as they want to draw in people to watch on Monday yeah. nights, they seem very dependent on this idea that they're still watching Saturday. Yes. Which I would agree. I, which I, I don't think is entirely true. I think. I don't think a lot of fans are doing both. Well, Saturday is still getting huge ratings. It got, uh, I forget if it's this week, because I don't normally go over the ratings, but it's Mm -hmm. like one of the weeks right around this period, I remember reading in the Observer that it got a 3.0. I mean, that's that's a great rating. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, I don't know if it's the same people. You got to figure a lot of them are. You know, I doubt there's that much of a split audience for WCW programming, but. Yeah, I bet uh, a Saturday night crowd probably uh, like trends way older though. That's yes, and that is true, and that's why Dusty does play by play or not play by play, but color mm-hmm. on Saturday night, but not on Nitro because he appeals to the older demographic. I remember reading that in um, it might have been the death of WCW. Yeah, I think it was in there. Yeah, an LOD chant starts off as Animal and Barbarian lock up. Barbarian wins the power struggle and shoves Animal backwards. They lock up, and it happens again. They lock up a third time, and this time Animal gets the advantage. Uh, a big boot and some clubbing blows from the Barbarian set the tone. Um, we're going to get that a lot in this match. It's going to be mostly Animal kind of as the face in peril throughout a lot of this match. Yeah. Bobby uh, takes a moment to say that these are two teams that have been together a long time. Uh, neither team has tagged together in over four years. <laughs> and Barbarian and Meng only tagged together for about a year. Uh, so that is just completely not true. <laughs> Animal fights his way back into things with a power slam and a huge elbow drop. Uh, in comes Hawk and Meng. Meng unloads punches on Hawk in the corner while another LOD chant starts up. A big pile driver from Meng uh, ha- takes place just so Hawk cannot sell it. Like, it's yeah. it's a Hawk spot in a lot of matches where he springs right up, mm-hmm. and I fucking hate it. It's cringeworthy. It's I mean, so shitty. Yeah. Even just watching a guy actually take a pile driver makes me cringe these days. But then sure. a guy obviously probably getting some pain from it and popping right back up. And so. uh, I remember they did this spot in, I mean, this is kind of random, but in WWE with Taz and Jerry Lawler when they had that brief feud as Taz was sort of, like, starting to go into announcing. Yep. And Lawler, like pile drives him three times in a row and Taz stands up each time and it's just just watching a move get devalued so quickly in front of your eyes it just it's Mm -hmm. a bad taste in my mouth and I know that selling is not uh the road warrior's strong suit and that's fine but every single match almost him just popping up from a pile driver starts to really piss me off (laughs) uh uh, Hawk Hawk gets a clothesline a power slam and a big punch to Meng's head 
Meng rolls out of the ring and acts generally unfazed by the whole thing. So no one in this match is really going to be selling for anybody else. It's, it's not entirely surprising. <laughs> Except Animal. Animal is, uh, I mean, I think yes. Animal yes. took in all the ability to sell from everyone else. <laughs> Animal comes back in and uh, he and Meng trade wrist locks. Bischoff takes a shot at Goldust by saying that uh, in WCW, these aren't RuPaul wannabes. These are world-class athletes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, despite it being another direct attack, I actually liked this comparison because it's saying you can have big, crazy characters or you can have tough guys who are, you know, like, you know. Who are know. also big, crazy characters. But not in the same way and it's it's more of a real fight atmosphere in WCW than it is in WWF. I I like that comparison and I think that for guys like us if we were fans back then uh but at the same age we are now I could I think I would be more of a WCW fan because I think it appeals more to the male 20 something, you know, demographic than than the characters over in WWF right now. Well, yeah, and and plus they have they have a lot of like the younger like uh uh international stars too. Right. And I, at at my age, I think I, I would appreciate the greater variety of wrestling. Yes, I think I would be frustrated by Nitro because then they'll go like two, three or four weeks without seeing any of those guys. <laughs> yeah, like what happened to Dean Malenko? <laughs> you know. But the thing is, is I, Saturday Night is a great show. I I yeah. learned that recently. Like the funny thing is, is I was thinking to myself, I wish there was a show like Saturday Night Now that was just more wrestling centric uh mm-hmm. with guys that i don't get to see a lot yeah. and then i realized that there's like three of those shows there's main event superstars and to a degree smackdown and i don't watch any of them <laughs> <laughs> and, and nxt i suppose I, I do watch nxt but that's yeah. kind of its own thing i'm such a smart well of course i watch nxt just none of the current <laughs> product <laughs> meng whips animal into the ropes and barbarian kicks him in the back meng takes control of the ring and uh, and the heels start focusing on animal's back which is what kept him out of wrestling for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, you know, it's a smart smart story to tell that they're isolating him and, and sp- specifically his questionable back. Reminds me of uh, Sean's first match back from his long hiatus against Triple H where Triple H kept focusing on the back in that street fight they had at SummerSlam. Animal's hair is fucking disgusting. <laughs> he always had the mohawk, but did he always have the lower strip Yes. Around yep. the bottom of his head. Yep. Okay, I couldn't remember, but yeah. God, it's gross. Yeah, this is a match full of terrible haircuts because you got that and you got like kind of the dual mohawk with Hawk, and then you have yeah. Meng who has a big puffy afro with like little stringy, dried out yeah. strands of hair going down to his shoulders. And then the barbarian has like a like a buzz bull cut almost. It looks like Barbarian's mom cut his hair. <laughs> his blind mom. <laughs> He's just trying to be nice to her. <laughs> barbarian's not a bad guy <laughs> yeah. speaking of the barbarian he hits a very nice backbreaker and uh at this point i'd like to say that i like the barbarian's work in this match i think uh he didn't as a super assassin nothing stood out to me but in this right. match of everyone in this match i think he was putting in the best work i i was pleasantly surprised by him yeah i, I do totally remember, agree i do remember the backbreaker looked especially you know if the if the move doesn't like literally hurt the person but looks very effective, yeah, that's a good move. And I felt I felt like that one looked like I was like, oh man, I think that that had to hurt. Right. <laughs> Men gets tagged in and eventually locks on a camel clutch. Uh, Bobby at this point starts making achy breaky back references. <laughs> I want to point out that that song is four years old by this point. 
that is already a dated <laughs> fucking reference. <laughs> and like, and I don't know how, if you guys remember this, but I certainly remember achy breaky heart jokes when that song was popular. Yeah. And like, it was like for six months, it was all anyone could reference. And then immediately it was like, let's stop talking about that now. Right. Like we have to move past it <laughs> as a country. <laughs> Meng gets some kicks to animals back that sends animal out of the ring. Uh, Meng distracts Randy Anderson while the barbarian whips animal into the guardrail and pushes him into the ring post. Bobby says that uh, Bobby says that the Legion would do this to you first. They'll hit you with chairs, railings, bar stools, bar regs, bar maids. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be my favorite Keenan line of like any show that we've done to this point because that's incredible. Bar maids. They're just picking up entire bar maids and hitting you with them. Also, also bar rags. <laughs> that doesn't seem like much of a weapon. Besides it being gross. <laughs> Animal is back in the ring with Meng and eats a big dropkick from the once-in-future Haku for a two-count. Barbarian comes in and hits a powerbomb, uh, killing off an animal chant and getting a two-count. Sick-looking powerbomb, too. It really is. but It's another snappy Barbarian move. Yep. Barbarian stands on the second rope and nails Animal with a flying clothesline, but there's some kind of like miscommunication and Animal sort of sandbags the clothesline <laughs> and then nonsensically falls forward. He's like, oh shit, I gotta sell that. But then he falls the wrong direction and it looks extra goofy. <laughs> Barbarian heads back up to the second rope, uh, but this time Animal lunges at him midair for a clothesline of his own. Animal finally manages the hot tag to Hawk, who comes in with punches, clotheslines, and big boots for everybody. They overpower him quickly, though, and uh, hit a double Irish whip into the turnbuckles. They then go for another, but he comes back with a double clothesline. Animal dumps Meng to the outside, and he and Hawk set up for the Doomsday device, but Meng pushes Hawk off the top rope. On the outside of the ring, Hawk takes out Meng, but inside the ring, Barbarian hits Animal with a pile driver. Barbarian goes for another uh, pile driver after noticeably positioning himself so yes. that he's facing a set of turnbuckles. Uh-huh. Uh, well... Wouldn't you know it, <laughs> Hawk manages to sneak around uh, to that side of the ring, and he is still the legal man, though seemingly Barbarian doesn't realize it. Mm -hmm. So Hawk climbs the turnbuckles, waits for just the right moment, which takes for fucking ever, <laughs> and then uh, jumps off the flying clothesline on uh, the Barbarian for the one, two, three. By the way, uh, the Doomsday device is a great finisher name. It's amazing. I thought <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> it also is... <laughs> Every every time I see it, I always cringe because I am waiting for someone to land on their head. Like Henry Godwin? You like remember he that? Like when Henry oh, Godwin did. Yeah. That was rough. So uh, what did you guys think of this match? Well, I mean, you describe it with like headbutts, clotheslines, boots, a couple pile drivers. Clubbing blows. Clubbing, <laughs> a bunch of clubbing blows. It, I mean, it, it's, it was a very standard match. I think for the re-debut of the Road Warriors, they should have like uh, – I think they should have gone over like a lot more impressively besides like having to eke out a win against the faces of fear who are just returning. Yeah. Um, and Sullivan gets into that on his podcast a little bit. He says that he wanted LOD to go over someone strong, mm -hmm. but he thinks it was a mistake uh, to have it over Meng and the barbarian since they were just teaming up again. And he also thinks that one of the things that why the LOD or the road warriors, whatever you prefer, weren't quite as over as they used to be is that they've, they've shrunk a little bit. Uh, since oh, their time in the WWF, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So putting them in the ring with two big guys was a mistake. It it probably would have been better to have them in there with the American males and let them really dominate. That You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That would have been a better, probably, use of, of the Road Warriors and help get them yeah. over more. 
and also this is a match where like all four guys are like borderline ready to be out of shape. Sure. <laughs> I mean, Hawk still looks pretty jacked, but like he's yeah. got no stamina at all. Yeah. Like I don't know that Road Warriors botched like three or four moves during this match. It took me out of it a little bit. I just felt like for them to be coming back and trying to go for the titles that like there was a lot of time where it was just like Animal was just getting the shit kicked out of him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like there wasn't any like dirty underhanded dealings or anything like that. They were just like game manhandled. Well, I'll, I'll be the exception. I thought this match, I don't, I don't think it was great, but I think it was greater than the sum of its parts. I get what you're saying that when you read it out, it's a lot of boring sounding moves, but I actually thought this match was pretty good. And uh, I was prepared to think that Faces of Fear were just going to be, you know, m- more shitty dungeon guys taking up my time. Uh-huh. But uh, I think the ad- the addition of the Barbarian can get me interested in a match featuring Meng. And so far, I've been very bored with everything Meng does. So anything that, like, when he's out there that gets me interested in what's going on, I'm all for at this point. Yeah, it's a shame with Meng because uh, he's, like, supposedly, like, the biggest badass in the history right. of wrestling, the most right. legitimate tough guy. But, like, he never had... Like, I can't remember a Meng match or a Haku match that I really liked or that I could even, like, remember, you know? I, I don't, not any Meng matches I remember for good reasons, you know? I can barely remember any for bad reasons. I mean, I just, I would agree with that. I He's just boring. They yeah. just, yeah. they just drone by and then I'm on to the next thing. Or just, what, it was like a month or so ago when, uh, when Lex Luger faced Meng? Yeah. It was like right after the, they learned that, uh, Luger and Savage were going to have their, like thing at Halloween Havoc, and that match just went on forever. And then wasn't that at Halloween Havoc, or whatever? Like the know. the show where they each had to win their match or whatever to have the one later on in the show. They faced each other on Nitro before that, and then again. On okay, Halloween yeah, Havoc. okay. So I'm talking about the one on Nitro, and it's just like it's very apparent when Ming's wrestling by himself. Yeah, that he 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 can't go for like these long stretches. And figure out, like, what to do. Yeah. You know? So, the fact that he's teamed up again with the Barbarian, I think, is very beneficial. Yeah. Uh, so, I agree. I agree that having the Faces of Fear back is a really good thing. Um, I, I think that both these teams would have benefited from uh, looking strong against different opponents. Absolutely. During one of the replays uh, of a, I believe it's it's Hawk scoop slamming um, either Meng or the Barbarian. Anyway, during the replay, Bobby goes... There's a scoop slam of a guy who weighs over 300 pounds and who is traveling at over 3,000 miles per hour. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's, his timing on it is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Homer saying about George Bush where he goes, first he smacks my son, then he makes fun of the way I talk. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> After this, we uh, get the Taskmaster coming out, and uh, let's let's hear an audio clip of this entire segment oh. because there are some developments. Here's the leader of the pack, so to speak, Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. What's up this week? Well, I have a problem. You know, we made a pact with the four horsemen, and I always thought that Iron Anderson, the enforcer, was a man of his word. Let's go back and take a look at recently some of the... Well, I guess differences of opinion that occurred between you and the four horsemen. When I say you, I'm talking about the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, let's go back and look at it right now because Iron Anderson gave me his word. Well, you take a look at at what happened. Actually, he's the voice of reason in my opinion. He said something that made sense. He's the voice of reason. He, let me tell you something. To be a four horseman, you have to be one of the elite. 
You just saw Ric Flair beat Hulk Hogan. Something the dungeon's been trying to do. I'm not gonna argue with you, Kevin Sullivan. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you at all. First, let me just say this. You and I made a pact, and you have always been a man of your word. And I intend for you to keep your word with this loose cannon. You either discipline them or suffer the consequences. Art Anderson. I am a man of my word, and I am going to take care of this. Pillman, in case you were wondering, I don't know where you were a few minutes ago, but Flair just beat Hogan all by himself in the middle of the ring, and you were nowhere to be found. But as usual, I took care of it. It's that same immaturity that's running rampant through your life right now. You're not an individual. You're one of the four horsemen, the elite in all of professional sports. That means you're part of a team. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'll talk to you. I even expect you to try to get a little sense out of you. Now, if you're going to act like a child, there's a thing in this world called tough love. That's all that's left. You understand? But on this case, it's going to hurt you more than it does me. Tough love? Tough love? Hey, 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 hey. What in the world here? Kevin Sullivan taking advantage of an opportunity here. Come he on, goes Pillman. after Anderson and Pillman hiding like a... Oh, is he? Oh, he, now he's getting the pity that Anderson was going to give him. Why didn't Pillman come to Iron's aid? Come on. Rick, get out here. Ben Watt, somebody do something. He's looking in like a red-headed stepchild. Oh, here comes Double A. Right, Anderson just DDT'd Hugh Morris in the center of the ring, and now he goes after Sullivan. I'm what to make of this? And neither does Anderson. Well, he said tough love. I'm thinking more like tough luck. What? What is what is going on here, Arn Anderson? Pillman. Okay. Now I see where you stand. Sullivan, make no mistake. We police within our own. If we got a problem, we take care of it. And I know there's no honor among thieves, but we had a deal. Now, I know somebody back there from that executive committee is in this building. I'm not asking, I've never asked you for nothing, but I'm telling you, unless you want a bloodbath in that dressing room, get me a match. I'm not asking it, I'm demanding it with Sullivan and his stooge. Wow! I'm coming. I got you into this mess, and I'll get us out! All right, you heard Arn Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. He asked Whoa. for a match, and that uh, <laughs> remark, by the way, directed exactly at the Dungeon of Doom, and especially the Taskmaster. Eric Bischoff, let's get back to you. Wow. All right, I'm we got to take a break. We'll be right back. So as you can hear there, Taskmaster calls out Arn. Arn comes out, and he says he's got a belt, and he's just going to whip Pillman uh, for, for being such a dongus. Uh, <laughs> which is a, totally a word. A little tough love, I think he said. Yep, tough love yep. for the darkest. <laughs> but before uh, before he can start whipping Pillman, Sullivan and Hugh Morris start attacking Arn. Uh, Pillman rolls out of the ring and cowers at ringside, completely failing to save his four horsemen brother. Mm -hmm. uh, Sullivan then gets the belt and heads outside the ring and starts whipping Pillman. 
that, that what that moment itself is really weird. Yeah. Because uh, Pillman's holding on to the apron, but he's clearly he he sees him. Yeah. But he's clearly like, I'm ready to receive this whipping. It's to like the way it came off is like so weird. Where it's like he's. Uh, like trying to get in Sullivan's head by like being okay getting whipped, like a like a Tommy Dreamer uh, when he got over yeah, ECW by yeah. letting himself get caned. Yeah, police here may have another yeah. that sort of thing. It it just like it came off as weird. Like I don't know if he, it was almost like he was trying to make it look like he was stuck on the apron, mm. but he was just holding it. Like that whole moment, yeah. I was like, this is really weird. So it would have helped in your mind if he had tried to fight back a little more and been subdued and then whipped, or or maybe made it look like that he was caught unawares. Sure, sure, sure. I think this is another segment where a sober Brian Pillman probably would have contributed a little better. This just seems like another thing where it, his head just isn't totally in the game. I'd like I to just say get for the record impression. again, though, that I don't... We, I'm not sure if he was not sober at this point or not. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I don't... I didn't entirely get that impression, but, like, just knowing how the last few years of his life went, like... I, I could believe anything, to be honest. Yeah, it's but. like this Pillman is a good character, but like in the ring he lacks all the crispness that he had when he's in his prime, you know, when he was like one of the best like cruiserweights in the world. And at this point he's just like a overly jacked and I think probably stoned or completely like or hazed just like over with, just, with just muscle relaxers and stuff like that. Maybe just like really roided up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that that perfect. It, it's just like he's not, like barely paying attention to what he's supposed to be doing almost the whole time. It seems to me, but Arn finally dispatches Morris with a DDT and comes out and saves Pillman from further whipping. Arn gets on the mic as the heels have run off, and he demands a tag match uh, next week between Morris Sullivan uh, against him and Pillman. Yeah, and Arn on the mic at this point is fantastic, as you heard in that clip. And uh, you can't really get a sense of it, audio, uh, obviously, but if you head to our Facebook page, I'll, I'll put a screenshot up. Pillman's facial expressions while Arn is talking are incredible. <laughs> like, he yeah. is selling so much anger, uh, and it's it's such a good, weasley little character that was unwilling to help Arn, you know, because he was going to get whipped for being such a bastard. Yeah. But the second that he needed it and Arn came there, he's like, yeah, Double A's got my back, you fuckers. Yeah, tough guy from 25 feet away. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, he's fantastic in this segment. No, Everyone that, is, Yeah, that's opinion. like, uh, that's pretty much like the character he's playing because he's like, I'm in the horseman now, so fuck you. I can do whatever I want. Right. And he's not, like, willing to accept the consequences. And you like, you can tell, like, uh, he he's like, you, you can see that he's like, he's mad that he got whipped, but also he's kind of embarrassed with himself. Right. He's depicting like both those at the same time. And it is, it's really, it's brilliant. We get a commercial. And as we come back, uh, mean gene is in the ring with Sherry. Very unusual to see two mean gene segments in a row. Uh, not, not quite used to that, but he runs down the events of the wedding between Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker. And Sherry is about to speak. Uh, but Medusa sneaks up on the ropes behind her and, Gene kind of, like, does a terrible job of pretending to, like, notice this extemporaneously. It's just really, really bad acting. And he gets out of the way, and Sherry turns around just in time to eat a flying crossbody. Uh, and the mat the match is on. So that's how they start this match. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, this match is a contrast between a woman who takes wrestling very seriously and has a lot of obvious Japanese influence and another woman who is wearing a sexy cocktail dress and no shoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the match is delivered just as much as just as you would expect it to 
uh, they brawl on the outside, mostly back and forth, until Medusa finally hits a snap suplex on the ring mats, with which uh, Bischoff again calls the concrete floor, as he has been doing a lot lately. Yeah, and also right away you could tell that like these the two of these like have no idea what they want to do in this match. I think like, Medusa knows, but she doesn't know what Sherry's capable of. Yeah, because I I just I recall that that Medusa like really like she's like nope it it's a suplex now you're gonna yeah. take this move. Back in the ring, Medusa dominates with some punches and some very Daniel Bryan-esque uh, kicks to the chest. Like, right. the exact yes kicks that Bryan does now. Yeah, with, like, the kick pads and all that stuff, too. Yep. Yeah. Sherry gets back into things and hits that uh, Jeff Hardy move where your opponent's on their back and you grab their feet and then drop both of your heels into oh, their, like, yeah. groin. <laughs> I was like... What Jeff Hardy move does she pull out? I think he called that like the trash compactor or something. Oh, did he have a name? So- I something like that. Or maybe that's the technical name th- for I it. I thought you were making a joke where he is like, uh, she suddenly like pulls off like... The Whisper in the Wind, the or, the wind yeah. or something like that. No, no, she she does hit that move. Uh, and I'm not saying it wouldn't hurt a woman, because it would. That wouldn't feel good. Yeah. But it, it's a move s- centered around hit, hurting someone's testicles. Right. It doesn't make a ton of sense to do in a women's match, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it just probably shows that like... Sherry Martell clearly doesn't. I know she wrestled before, but she does yeah. not look like she has like a lot of uh, experience from it. It's been a long time. Yeah, she's been mostly in a managerial role. Um, but these two did actually feud over the AWA Women's Title uh, when Medusa debuted back in the AWA quite some time ago. Hmm. Uh, Sherry manages. Oh wait, Sherry heads to the top rope, and Medusa goes to throw her off. But Sherry manages to roll through and hang on. Uh, for the pin, yeah. kind of out of nowhere, and a pin that makes no sense, in my opinion. <laughs> that it's not just your opinion. Well, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's different. It comes out of nowhere. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I'd never seen that before. Uh, I kind of like that. Well, I mean, but the whole match was just like it looks like WCW could care less about. It's well, like, yeah, it, it's unconvincing because she gets her ass kicked the whole match and then wins at the but, end. I guess. But it's but. like she, but uh, Medusa attacks Sherry. When Sherry, like you said, is wearing like a cocktail dress, and WWE's like, "All right, well, let's just do that match now." <laughs> I guess it's going to be a match. Yeah. Plus, Medusa, Medusa was brought in to be a big, high-profile women's wrestler. Sherry's a manager getting plugged into a match. Yeah, there's no reason for Sherry Martel to go over here. Right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what the reason was. Sherry demanded that she go over here. Uh, she was just sort of angry about who knows what, and she, her sobriety was. Uh, non-existent at this point, uh, I guess is the long way around saying that. Um, so she demanded the win, and uh, I guess they, they kind of gave into her on that. Uh, an angry Medusa immediately hits a German suplex that pretty much knocks Sherry out. Medusa follows that brutal move with some very weak slaps and worse punches. Mm-hmm. So it's very weird. There's this like very, very Im- impactful German suplex followed by the weakest-looking slaps and punches. Uh, but then... Medusa follows that by grabbing Sherry by the hair and slamming her head into the mat, like, violently. Yeah. So it's, like, these real violent, legitimate, like, potato-type shots interspersed with the worst worked punches you've ever seen in your life. Bish takes a shot at the WWF by saying that had Medusa stayed there, she could have taken on some of their men. Uh, Mongo says that she's tougher than some man named Goldfarb. Apparently, <laughs> I just, I just, what the hell is that supposed to be? Is that like an Illuminati reference or something? <laughs> I think he's referencing gold dust. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, what did he say? What's a gold farm? 
So apparently uh, there was some heat between these two uh, backstage. Sherry didn't want to wrestle at all, but she had missed a flight to Tokyo in the recent past, and she felt like she had to. However, she insisted on going over. She was then furious after the match as Medusa had not cleared the German suplex with her. So that was something that she was just completely surprised by, and it looked like it hurt quite a lot. After a commercial, uh, the Giant is out. Then comes our world heavyweight champion, the Macho Man. Well, the announcers speculate on how serious Hogan's eye injury could be from that uh, heel shot earlier. This is the Giants' first WCW or first Nitro match of 1996, I think. Of 96, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it's, it's weird because I still feel like um, he's still got a lot of mystique at this point, and they're not doing anything with him, you know? Yeah, like, Dave's, Dave's pointed that out many times. Yeah, like, at this point right now, besides, like, like maybe Shawn Michaels, like, the Giants got to be, like, the hottest ticket in wrestling, you think, think, right? I think it comes down to how green he is. Yeah. Um, and I think they just don't want to expose that any more than they have to. Yeah, um, I'd think just have him, be... like, crush some guy in 30 seconds or at least keep him in your mind, you know? There was there was the match, uh, the alleged title defense against oh, Cobra. against Cobra, yeah. And there should be more matches like that. Yeah. Um, or even the one with Scott Norton, where he was exposed a little bit, but, it, you know, there were some impressive spots in that match, and he beat someone who seemingly looked like they mattered. Although, I have we seen Scott Norton since that I, match? I was about to say, I was like, speaking of... Guys looked impressive, and then they just disappear for a Although while. we did uh, mention at the time that it was partially due to New Japan not wanting Norton to ever lose on television. So if WCW wasn't going to push him and have him win, the preference by New Japan was to not have him on TV at all. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a partial explanation for that. Out come the women, with Liz, of course, being last. They stand clapping forever, but Macho Man doesn't show. Suddenly, we cut to the ring, and Savage is beating up the giant with the belt. The ref gets the belt as Savage locks on a sleeper hold. The Giant flips Savage forward off his back, but the ref calls for the bell, and this match is either a Giant victory by DQ or maybe never got started. It's kind of unclear what the official ruling is, but there's no match. Yeah. Flair is now out there, and he runs Macho into the guardrail and hits him in the back with a chair a few times before running him into the ring post. He beats up Randy before kind of handing him back over to the Giant, telling the Giant to hit a suplex on him. Flair punches out Randy Anderson so he can't help poor Randy Savage. <laughs> this beatdown elicits a faint Hogan chant, uh, but the Giant kills the chant by hitting some backbreakers. Flair requests a choke slam and struts around the ring. Giant holds up Savage for an impressive length of time uh, while Flair struts around before he finally hits the <laughs> choke slam. <laughs> it, it should be really noted that Flair does a lot of strutting yeah, in this he, one. He truly does. <laughs> The crowd suddenly cheers as Hogan runs out with a uh, hilariously huge bandage <laughs> wrapped around his head and over his eye. It's yeah. comical. You, you would swear that like like a grenade went off or something. <laughs> <laughs> he nails Flair and the Giant with a chair. Uh, then Hugh Morris, Meng, One Man Gang, Kevin Sullivan all come out, but they all get hit by chair shots. <laughs> so Hogan is just dominant. He lost earlier tonight, but he is dominating like eight guys with one chair right now. He's not in the main event. But he's in the main event. <laughs> Zodiac once again holds the giant back from going after Hogan. Uh, the f- the heels at this point kind of disappear, and shortly after, Bischoff starts freaking out. And let's go to an audio clip as uh, Flair and some of the dungeon invade the announcer's booth. <laughs> Get him 
Hogan, I beat you twice. Twice on this very show. And thank you. So there you can hear uh, Flair just kind of screams around. Uh, he grabs Bischoff's headset and sits down and starts yelling. Mm-hmm. Mongo is obviously enjoying the hell out of the whole thing. <laughs> He's just smirking like, this is so gosh darn cute. <laughs> uh, Flair brags about beating Hogan and tries to yell some shit about Super Brawl, but he is out of breath. The giant says that he's going to make bread from Hogan's bones. <laughs> That's a good line. Nice. And then Hogan's body, mind, and soul will be the giant's forever. <laughs> Jimmy Hart then grabs the mic, and uh, Mongo and Bischoff have bailed, but Bobby stays there because he's a heel. He, he feels comfortable around these guys. Flair push out, or Flair's got Bischoff's headset on. He takes uh, Bischoff's seat and breathlessly shouts hilarious things while looking completely unhinged. My favorite point, he just goes, Super Brawl, Super Brawl, WCW. (laughs) Bobby then tells him to relax, and it honestly seems like Bobby is worried that he's going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Because Flair is beat red, he can't breathe, and he's screaming nonsensically. Yeah. It looks like he's coked up and his heart's going to explode. (laughs) It's a miracle he made it through this alive. But to his benefit... He does the best job of selling the pay-per-view we've heard all night. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We hear the heels goof off on the mics a bit as we see an injured macho help to the back by Hogan. And uh, that is how our show goes off the air with uh, (laughs) the heels standing tall for once. I I really like the invasion of the booth this time. Flair is like beyond insane meltdown promo was amazing <laughs> the I heels loved... standing tall even though hogan dominated him eight on one <laughs> unprotected chair shots to the face i really liked the end of this program i i mean the savage giant match not even 
getting going was kind of bullshit. But what did you guys think of our final segment here? Well, it's I, I like I do like it because like it, it shows like this is the week where the wrestlers went amok. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's like the show ended because the the wrestlers got out of control. <laughs> yeah, they started running the asylum. So, uh, also notable about this event, uh, WCW taped a match at the show featuring Conan winning the United States title from the One Man Gang, and that will be airing on the uh, February fourth episode of Main Event. So it's like the <laughs> second time the U.S. titles change under like just kind of weird circumstances yeah and i think it was only given to one man gang to be a transitional champion to hand it to conan i think conan was probably told when he came in that he was going to be getting that title i actually i think one man gang was more like the person they have to get the belt off kintsuki society right give it and conan wasn't there yet so uh so let's quickly go into our mvp of the show uh dave who was yours i would have to go with uh (laughs) Nature Boy Ric Flair. All right. Because well, he, he Super Brawl. Yeah, Super Brawl. For, for one thing, he did great uh, <laughs> promo effort there. Uh, he finally gets a win. I mean, even if he cheats, Ric Flair cheats. So like, if he cheats a win to him, it's pretty much a clean. Oh, win. He, yes. Yeah. This him beating Hogan in the way he did is Flair's like. I mean, Flair would like that particular idea. Yeah. So the fact that he gets like a, a pretty legit for Flair win against Hogan. He gets to kind of like have the last word on the show. He seemingly gets away with doing all the cocaine he wants to. I mean, he had a good de- he had a good night. Yeah. Good start to '96 with a Nature Boy. <laughs> John, who was your MVP? Um, I'll go with uh, the Barbarian because uh, I liked his uh, handful of really cool moves in the match against the Road Warriors. Even though I thought the match overall was a little mediocre, but and uh, for the probably all time worst wrestling haircut ever, and that's saying quite a bit. <laughs> I'm going to go with Arn Anderson as my MVP. I loved uh, his brief but but fantastic work on the mic uh, with, you know, the the this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me kind of attitude to whipping Pillman mm-hmm. uh, to his anger at the, you know, the dungeon. Because, you know, in his mind, the horsemen police themselves. Yeah. And for the dungeon to have crossed that line really pisses a guy like Arn off. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, he's my MVP. I also I also like the fact that uh, like no matter what like where whatever direction they go with Arn Anderson, positive or negative, that like his key signature moves are still really over. Yes, because you don't really see him hit the DDT, but you hear yeah. the fans react like they go crazy for the DDT. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to offer up a little bit of a change to the format of our show. Okay, uh, we've always had match of the night. And I think we need to change it a little bit because we're uh, watching a one-hour-long wrestling program, and sometimes there just are no good matches, so you're struggling to pick one. Um, I think when we go to two hours, we should stick with match of the night, but until that period, I'd like to suggest segment of the night. Okay. Uh, So you can pick a promo or a particular, you know, rather than a match specifically. My segment of the night is going to be everything following the giant savage quote-unquote match. Uh, so okay. the the beat down and the heels, mainly the heels taking over the announce booth because mm. that was the most fun Nitro has been in quite some time. It had kind of, as we've alluded to many times on here, uh, it's been in a holding pattern. And even though maybe that holding pattern wasn't shaken up, seeing the heels come out of the end of the show having a great time, mm. you know, that was different. That was something we have not seen in 22 weeks of fucking Nitro episodes. And I was really just... It was it was a nice different end of the show, and I liked 
I liked the giant yelling crazy shit about grinding bones into bread. Uh, I loved everything Flair was doing, so that is going to be my segment of the night. Okay. John, how about you? Um, This is actually weird because it's a show that was short on good matches, but I think long on good segments. Because um, I like the earlier thing with the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen. Um, but I'll agree, I think the main event segment as a whole was pretty good because I liked that... Um, that Randy Savage, I mean, he was so focused on Ric Flair that I think he just kind of attacked the giant from behind out of desperation. And even as a babyface, that's something that fits his character, I think, pretty organically. And, you know, you still got a pretty good spotlight for the giant, you know, hitting a bunch of pretty cool-looking moves on him. And then um, outside of Hogan, just dominating everybody. Um, I thought the whole segment was really good. Uh, my my segment, it's going to be kind of two parts. Because it's uh, first, it's Hulk Hogan uh, blading after getting hit with a shoe, and then coming out looking like he had half of his head blown off, with like the most comically over the top bandage that you could possibly imagine. And not only that, but like even when he was like out there cleaning house, he got busted open again. And so I didn't even notice yeah. that. No, because like the bandage kind of came off, and he started bleeding again. Yeah. So. It's questionable what sort of medical assistance he actually got. <laughs> um, but just anyone that decides to, like, nope, tonight's a night I'm just going to blade a lot. Like, <laughs> that, that that's always good in my book. All right. In our Raw recap, uh, the first thing I want to mention that's very notable in the context of our show, uh, in, in the evolution of WCW and the Monday Night Wars, they made a huge deal on this Raw about a letter that Eric Bischoff wrote to the WWF uh, about possible legal legal action by Turner over the implications made in the billionaire Ted skits. McMahon, uh, McMahon references the letter several times in the show, and at one point during a segment uh, where Doc Hendricks talks about it at length to the camera, uh. they actually show the letter uh, in its entirety on camera. Now back to the billionaire Ted business. Recently, a Turner Broadcasting Systems official telephoned the World Wrestling Federation on January 17th and expressed his delight in the broadcast of the billionaire Ted vignettes. However, this letter sent by the same Turner Broadcast System official is now threatening legal action against the World Wrestling Federation. We here in the World Wrestling Federation stand ready to fight for our rights, our company, and for you, our fans. Uh, so they make a big deal about it. They, they frame it as a Turner executive. They never call Bischoff by name because the narrative put forth by WWF is this is Vince McMahon versus Ted Turner, a billionaire who does not care about wrestling fans. Yeah. Uh, they don't see this as Eric Bischoff versus M Vince McMahon because that's not how... Because McMahon truly does believe that story, that this is Ted Turner versus him. Yep. Whereas I think Turner does care he wants wcw to succeed mm -hmm. but this is not nearly as personal to turner as mcmahon imagines that it is yeah not, yeah not nearly i think ted turner would have been happy with like a mildly profitable but really entertaining wcw right. whereas vince if wwf wasn't making money he was probably gonna have to sell it yep they even reference bischoff calling them and telling them to keep doing the skits that one night when nitro had the huge ratings win yeah and he wanted to gloat so they're kind of calling him a hypocrite for calling them and saying to keep doing them and then sending a letter threatening legal action. Uh -huh. In the actual show, Diesel defeated the British Bulldog. Uh, billionaire Ted Skit aired where he gave a press conference, which was by far the least funny one that they've had so far. <laughs> the Godwins defeated the Body Donnas. Uh, the new WWF president was introduced as Rowdy Rowdy Piper, who declared uh, that under his reign, anything goes. 
So rather than Monsoon, who was kind of a disciplinarian, Piper was going to just let chaos reign. Uh, in the main event, Shawn Michaels defeated Yokozuna in their very first uh, televised match. But that was not enough for Raw to win the ratings, as Nitro was the victor tonight with a 2.8 to Raw's 2.4. Nice. In ECW news, on the January 27th show, Raven won the ECW uh, championship from the Sandman. Uh, notable for our purposes because the Sandman was managed by Woman. Woman acted like she was glad that Sandman lost the title, and she tried to convince him and Too Cold Scorpio to come to WCW with her. But uh, there was a segment then where they tossed her out the back door of the ECW arena, <laughs> noting that when Eddie and Dean left, they deserved to leave via the front door, but not her. Uh, she had wanted to work both WCW and ECW, but Heyman is obviously not cool with that <laughs> and is looking to kind of slam her on her way out the door. Um, you would think he'd really benefit from that exposure, though, right? He, I mean, not that WCW would ever mention ECW by name, but... He might be mad because uh, when Sabu tried to work an ECW show and hoped that WCW would be cool, WCW fired him. Mm -hmm. So Bischoff might be saying, if you're not cool with your guys appearing here, I'm not cool with my guys appearing there. Sure. In the fallout from the clash, uh, Bobby was in trouble for a couple days for dropping that F-bomb. Uh, but blame quickly shifted to Pillman, and Bobby never faced any serious consequences. But I noticed in this episode, and I've actually watched a few weeks ahead, uh, I have not seen him in the next like five or so episodes of Nitro flick off the camera anymore. <laughs> so I think he's a little bit on his best behavior now. Yeah, okay. We'll have to wait and see what he decides. It's all clear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anything else you guys want to say about this episode? Are your impressions overall good, bad, or otherwise? Um. Uh... No, it's pretty it pretty run the mill. I, you know, I kind of want to give him credit for like leading up to Super Bowl, where yeah. it's like they they pretty much mention matches. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, Ric Flair beating Hogan is obviously a big deal. Uh, hopefully next week and then weeks to come, like they make Ric Flair look really good. Yeah. Uh, leading up to his match with Savage. I, I thought this episode was certainly better than the ones we've been watching lately. Uh, it's a turn in the right direction. It wasn't great, but after being pretty bored by some of the episodes lately, I thought that this was a step in the right direction. John, uh, what about you? Yeah, I agree because, um, you know, especially because you're actually getting new things this week, like the, the Faces of Fear are a totally new team and the Road Warriors are a new addition to the roster. So that at least gives you a little bit of excitement. But, I mean, overall, obviously... At this point in 96, the company's in a pretty big holding pattern. So overall, I don't think it was a particularly memorable show. But I guess, again, though, um, Hulk Hogan losing with, like, the high heel to the face. Like, I still remember watching that the first time. So I guess it did something right there. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will see you next week right here where the big boys play 20 years of Nitro. I'll tell you something. Legion of Doom isn't adverse to doing that to you either. They're just doing it first. They'll do it to you. They'll hit you with chairs, railings, bar stools, bar rags, bar maids. They don't care.